G'day, my name's Chris Anderson and welcome to the Ando & Co podcast. Today we have a really exciting development where I'm sitting down with Bernie Kelly who actually runs his own podcast, A Journey with Bernie. And um, I've actually been a, a guest on his podcast, which is a hell of a lot of fun, a couple of months ago. Um, he's, uh, he's been doing it for quite a while now. He's a really interesting guy. We met through Beers with Mates. He works as a coach in a couple of different functions. He works with businesses. He takes people on retreats overseas through hiking. Um, and we've got a whole lot which we're going to jump into before today. But uh, look, just before we start, Bernie. Yeah. What can you tell me about yourself? Oh, mate, big loaded. Big question there, mate. Hey? Okay, what can I tell you about myself? Well, um, right now, uh, at 64 years of age, what defines me? Uh, just love of life, mate. Um, but how do I express that is another, another question. And I express that by taking people to Nepal. I've got a love for the Himalayas, a love for trekking and hiking. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Everest Base Camp is firmly on our agenda very, very often, probably about two or three times a year. But if you gave me a trek on the west coast of Italy, I think I'd grab that one. Um, or treks in Tasmania, the, uh, the Three Capes Walk. Um, what a beauty that is. Did that recently. Um, but apart from that, uh, coaching uh, people, coaching companies, and what am I coaching them about? Finding purpose, living values, bringing behaviours that actually help people to work together, to serve customers more effectively, to connect with customers, stop just selling them a product, uh, sort of like in, impact their hearts, um, create relationship, create connection. And this has been my journey, Chris, for a long, long time. Someone once asked me, what would I do if I knew I could not fail? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and because it's a, it's a loaded question because it's really asking you, uh, what's holding you back? You know, what fears um, are stopping you from doing what you'd love to do? And I remember I answered to myself, I would build a university of self-esteem enhancement for young Australians. Right. And Chris, that's where I started many, many, many years ago. Uh, the concept was called the Australian Youth Development Program. Mm -hmm. It eventually became something a little bit more modern rather than an acronym, and we called it Y-LEAD. Mm -hmm. And we brought leadership programs to schools right throughout the country. And so when you were a young buck and you did your grade 11 leadership program, there was a possibility that Bernie Kelly or a John Slattery or Y-Lead mm -hmm. was involved in delivering that one-day one day program. But over time, I got a bit tired of uh, just giving kids a great day to open up their eyes mm -hmm. and to see more and then nothing more. So what does one do? You have to create the stage two. It's stage two was then inviting them, why don't you come to Africa with us? And, uh, what do we do in Africa? Let's climb Kilimanjaro. You know? um, hopefully without ego, I've climbed that mountain 15 times, but mainly on the back of taking young people to the summit, mm -hmm. uh, together with my African guides. And then of course, why go to Africa and not serve with communities? And boy, we did some special things in, in Africa. Uh, Kybera might be known to some of our listeners here but it's the great slum of Nairobi 
Well, we started to get involved with the, uh, the kids uh, that were in the slum and uh, visiting their homes, forming choirs with them. We even did remakes of We Are The World. Remember the We Are The World, mm -hmm. We Are The Children. And uh, to finish up in a Nairobi recording studio with 50 kids from Kibera and 50 young Australians from all over the country, gee, that was, that was special, special moments. Um, four primary schools at the foot of Kilimanjaro, we decided for many, many years we'd provide them with an athletics carnival. Mm -hmm. So we became the coaches in the days leading up to the athletics carnival. And then on the Saturday, we would deliver the carnival. You know, with all the white line markings and all the flags up, etc., etc., became so popular that about 2,000 people from the township of Moshi used to turn up just to watch the carnival. They had nothing to do with the kids, <laughs> and uh, just terrific, terrific uh, events. And you can imagine the experience and the effect on our young people, our young Australians. Some of them are as young as 14, 15 years of age. Mm -hmm. So, what should you hear? A coaching life. But I think right now, coaching to me is a, a love of sharing. It's a, uh, a love of accumulated wisdoms. That could be egotistical to think that I've got wisdoms. Um, but sharing those learnings with people. And in my 60s, mate, still loving it, still enjoying it. Awesome. And so a whole lot of different experiences, a lot of shared experience with people. I go for a walk every morning just as part of my process. What does it mean when people go on a walk together on a hike? How is it that that changes the experience for them? Oh, geez, mate. Yeah, look, see, it, it depends upon who they are. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a very recent story. Like, this only happened to me in April. Mm -hmm. For me, if I'm with the right person, then as we're trekking to an Everest base camp mm -hmm. between Pangbo Shea and Dingbosh. And we've got Sagamartha, Mother Goddess, in the distance. Another couple of 8,000 metre peaks looking down upon us. What does it mean for me? It means to hold back from the group. Why? Because mm -hmm. I'm not going to miss the opportunity to absorb the environment that's around me and as I walk now with right people we can become aware that we are in the presence of a hundred million years of geography mm -hmm. that's around us and we are I don't know how many people walk that trek every year but we're amongst maybe the hundreds of thousands that have done that. Mm -hmm. We could have been walking, Chris, where dinosaurs were. Mm. You know? What am I trying to say? The, the, uh, uh, I, I sometimes feel on that trek so small because of the awesomeness that's around me. Mm. And yet, if I feel the connectedness with it, I can also feel in such grandeur. Mm at the same time. So when you ask me, what is the experience? It depends upon who you are. Mm -hmm. In the trips that I take, I attempt to make people aware of the environment that they're in. And I do that through the prior education that we supply in Kathmandu um, before we go on the mighty treks. Mm -hmm. 
um, and and just the facilitation and the environment that we supply as we're trekking um, along the eight to ten villages on that mighty trail to, to Everest Base Camp. However, what do I think is most people's experience? Chris, they're so dedicated to the destination. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've got to make the summit. Mm -hmm. What? At what expense? The journey? <laughs> the absorption of what's around you? Mm. And so even on a daily basis, they're motivated by the, the outcome. Mm -hmm. And so I laugh privately, internally, when so many people pass me with their heads down and their walking sticks way out in front. And they are expending a lot of energy because they've got to make it. I get that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've been there. I, I, I understand that. That's one end of the spectrum for people. It's achievement orientated. It's outcome orientated. And for others, it's part of the process. The process is the experience, mm -hmm. not the outcome. The outcome, interesting enough, normally happens as a result of you focusing on the process. Mate, the Brisbane Lions are going to win this week's football game because they're going to focus on getting 30 more tackles, more uncontested possessions, and kicking more ball inside 50. They'll concentrate on the process, mm -hmm. which will deliver the victory. Mm. So do you find when people start on these hikes, they're rushing and over time they slow down? Yeah, yeah. Some, some can't slow down because the way they are and who they are, they've just determined um, that is the way they approach all things. And yet, I suppose if you're focused on the process that I was alluding to before, being aware of what's all around you, there would be a natural slowing down. You're right. On the way home, after they've achieved the outcome, there is a much more greater awareness of what was around them because they don't have the distraction mm -hmm. of the outcome, the destination. Yeah. I remember quite fondly um, doing Machu Picchu. And we actually didn't do the Machu Picchu trek because there was 10 of us and really most of the trip was a party and then we were going to do a walk in the middle and so we did another thing, which meant that we sort of worked around and then eventually ended up at Machu Picchu. And once we got to Machu Picchu, we got up there and we sort of got our photos and the mist was rising and it, it all sort of opened up. And I just remember being up there thinking to myself, I can't, I can't leave. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got to just chill out here for a bit. Yeah. So I remember my friends getting the bus down yeah. and I had a bus ticket and I was like I don't, I don't want to get the bus down yeah. it just doesn't make sense for me to just finish and get the bus down so I, I traded my bus ticket for um, some, some just like tourist photos basically <laughs> postcards and then I ran down the hill to where we were all having lunch and I'm like Ando you must be crazy why would you, why would you do that but it was just oh, we'd just been walking all that time I got to the place where we were going and I wanted to enjoy it. But how wonderful, mate, that you allowed instinct 
to take over and make your decision when everyone else around you is is doing what's programmed. <laughs> but I think the funny thing is, like you, you're on. <coughs> Excuse me. You're on holidays. You're allowed to relax. Yeah. You're allowed to do whatever you want when you're on holidays. You know, if you're on a if you're on a hiking holiday, yeah, you might have to do 10 or 20 k's a day or whatever it is you need to do. But there's other stuff that you can do apart from the walk. Yeah. And I think really in hearing a little bit about what, how you've set up your life. I think in some ways, over time, you've been able to set up your life to really just slow down and enjoy it more. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. But the, the question then becomes, well, how did that evolve? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I, I would hope that for most people it evolves with the, uh, with the, the aging of years. You'd, you'd hope that we would see more <laughs> as, we, as we get older and we learn from the experiences of life. For me, one of the, the, the greatest forces that impacted a re-evaluation of the pace of life for me was six years ago, um, and it, it, it was sadness, it was separation and divorce. And it's not actually divorce that was the force, it was the pain and the chaos that comes with such a, a, a deathly experience. I use the word deathly there because something dies. Mm. You know, marriage um, dilutes, uh, it, it disintegrates. Um, the concept of, of family as we, as we once knew it um, dilutes. So no doubt about it, uh, the pain and the chaos is very, very real creating this reflection and reevaluation of, oh my God, how did all this happen? Mm -hmm. and, and, and out of it, if you're still dedicated to life, if you still want to maximize your life, you've got to then work out a way to overcome the pain and the chaos. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, only one thing arose, and that is love is all there is. Mm -hmm. The rest is window dressing. And people... People often hear that from me, and I, I think it's my fear that their interpretation of that is, well, what does that mean for your work? <laughs> well, no, it, it, it actually means that your purpose of life is to be love, but bring that more into your existence on every moment, including your work. Mm. And if your work doesn't allow you to be that because you're actually doing something that you don't want to do, then humbly, politely, I would say, reflect and reevaluate and reconsider and go get something that is an extension of yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, what's all that got to do with the pace of life? Well, when you're in the mode of choosing love as a purpose, I don't know, it's just hard to be chaotic and, and panicky and, and moving so fast and love. And just... Can we unpack that? <coughs> Excuse me. Can we unpack that just a little bit? So, six, seven years ago, six years, yeah, yeah. you have a marriage breakup, you realize that there's pain and chaos, you decide that you want to shift towards love. Obviously, there was a process. What, what actually changed in the last six or seven years, which has allowed you every day to focus on love? 
Well, well I'll, I'll tell you the story. I, I remember driving um, on the Sunshine Coast. I've got a feeling this is 14 months after um, uh, separation divorce. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm in, I'm, but I'm still in the pain. Mm. Still feeling it. You know, over time it dilutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Um, it becomes so unbearable at the start that it actually created a, a body breakdown. I remember getting shingles. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been a fit, healthy person all my life, so that was a bit of a surprise to see the body respond that way. But 14 months later, I'm still feeling it to some degree. Mm-hmm. And I must have been having an ordinary day. And it's, it, with a smile on my face, it's funny how when people have ordinary days and they're struggling, uh, we often look to the heavens. Mm-hmm. And I looked to the heavens and I said, God help me, please. <laughs> and back, I still remember it. Back came, it's not a voice, it's just something in the back of the head that went, eh, eh. wrong question, Bernie. Mm-hmm. And I just said to that little voice, I know you. I don't even have to ask the question. I know you. And the mind said, Woe is you. Stop feeling that pity for yourself and get out there and do what you're meant to do. Mm. Get out there and do the best of you and be the best of you. Mm-hmm. And I was the coach. I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't say that egotistically, but that's who I'm meant to be. When I do my work, I do it. I do it with a bit of Bernieism. It's a reflection of me. And so I decided at that moment that I would, I would get back out there and be the best possible coach, this time without a lot of distractions because when your marriage breaks up, you don't have the distractions of home and, 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 and the distractions of you know, coming home and, and looking after house and being family, etc., etc. So without those distractions, I just dedicated myself to, to serving. So that, that was the first taste of redefining purpose. Mm-hmm. Secondly, and I think this is really important, some people in those circumstances can decide that they are now victims. Woe is me and, and uh, geez, life can never be the same. Um, this is going to affect me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I somehow decided and reached a conclusion that the separation and divorce, hey, it's just part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, you just listen to that, those words. Just part of the journey means I don't have to carry the, the potency and the pain of, of, of what happened six years ago. I don't have to carry that into it's part of the journey. Mm. I'm not going to give meaning to it such that it affects who I am today. And so I'm going to wake up today and say, that's in the past. And this makes a lot of my past irrelevant. Mm. And I mean that. Mm. Because I can't control what happened then. Yeah. The mistakes that I've made, uh, the sins that I've committed, all the stuff that I've done that I shouldn't have done, guess what? It's all over, Red Rover. Mm. It's in the past. All I can do is learn from all of them. Bring those learnings 
which are very positive into the day mm. and be the best possible Bernie that I can be. And that's what I, I dedicate. So, so my point is, you've still got to decide, irrespective of the hardship of these events that sometimes impact our lives, you've still got to decide that you want to maximise your life. And if you're committed to maximising, you've got to find solutions to overcome the pain and the chaos. I did. Mm. And it just said clearly to me, love is all there is. Mm. Rest is window dressing. I hope you don't mind me just adding to that is, I then, I, I then wanted to seek proof that love is all there is. There's proof all around us. Mm. Just go and visit your grandfather and your grandmother nine times out of ten. The elderly won't be talking about their 30 years working with Australia Post or Telstra. Mm. They won't be talking about the time they scored a try against the Southport School. Mm. They won't be talking about the hundred they got in A-grade cricket all those years ago. What they'll talk about in their 70s and their 80s is the love that they inspired, the love that they created, the love that they manufactured, predominantly through love of family. And so I, I look at that and I go, if that's going to be the outcome, then Bernie, why not be it now? In fact, I'll go one step further. Why not teach our 20-year-olds? <laughs> why not teach our school kids that this love for people and love for life can actually be a hard-edged journey purpose. Mm. That's what I decided. That's the way I, I choose to live now. It's interesting. Both of us have gone through that experience at a fairly similar timeline in terms of a breakup situation. And I've just gone through the process of almost like teaching people to rebuild confidence after a breakup, just through a podcast episode. And I think one of the big things that I needed to consider when I said that was you needed to you need to have a look at one knowing that it happened and you can't salvage it and then two you make a decision and it's a single decision you either say to yourself I'm going to be on my own for the rest of my life or I'm going to look for a partner yeah and when you decide you want to look for a partner you know that you'll keep looking to find that partner. Absolutely. And you're not going to give up that search. Yeah. yeah. I, I, this is fascinating for me, and I kid you not, right now, um, I'm talking about only in the last three or four months. Because mm-hmm. being a single man, I have sought that partner. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly what she feels like. I don't know what she looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know what it feels like. Yeah. And I know what I'm, what I'm looking for. Um, I'm looking for um, um, spiritual alignment. I'm looking for values congruency. I'm looking for an adventurous soul. Mm. I, have, I have great clarity in, in what I'm looking for. However, the more and more the, uh, the journey of finding someone unfolds, the more and more disappointments you can have a lot of start stops mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it leads to suffering oh yeah. I thought it, I thought it found it. yeah oh it turned out no it wasn't yeah like I, I, I had a breakup recently and guess what it guts me yeah. to to have spent three years during COVID investing in this beautiful young Ukrainian woman who was a ballet teacher in Japan and it guts me to to recognise that the three years hasn't amounted to a marriage or a partnership, mm-hmm. you know, yeah? However, 
I've decided that the real battle is love. Do I find it in her, through her, with her? Or can I find it so solidly inside myself mm-hmm. that I actually don't need her? But I'll still want a partner so that I can give the best of me to someone. But I do it as a gift, mm-hmm. not as a need or a want or a take. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this is sounding, you know, high-level spiritual stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it, it's available. Yeah. But you've got to go on the journey yeah. and you've got to do the work. <coughs> and if, if our listeners out there so how do you, where do you start the journey and the work? Well, here's one for you, right? Do what you did. Read a book a month. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many books out there. When we talk about a book, we're talking about an author and all of his or her wisdoms. Yeah. Tap into that. Secondly, why not a Vipassana retreat? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, by the 10-day silent retreat where you're going to be taken through the same meditative process that Buddha went through 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something in there to learn. Yeah. Now, there's so many things out there, Chris. You'll be with mates, mate. This is what people don't realize. That is an opportunity to go to beer with mates and actually practice embracing all sorts of different people and some that you naturally connect with and some that you don't. But how about you actually go there with so much love and desire to connect that you can actually learn a way to connect with, with all yeah, yeah. out there. And by, Some might want to connect with you. Is that okay? Of course it is. Welcome to humanity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to dedicate myself to working out ways to connect, give it the best crack. Welcome to humanity if they don't. I love seeing everybody as my brother and sister. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I think the, the good thing about when, it, when it's great having friendships, and I, partly for being with beers with mates, I meet a lot of people, and I'm definitely on a search for more friends. Um, I never would like to shut the gate on having enough friends. I'd always like to keep meeting people because new people will bring new learnings and new experiences. It's, it's really interesting for read a book, but if you sit down with a person, they'll give you the book. And you have the experience. Oh, what a lovely phrase that is. Going to steal that one. Yeah, <laughs> but they'll, they'll give you the story, but they'll give you the, the presence of that person as well. Yeah. And, and I, I think the real benefit that you have if you're someone who likes hanging out with people or if you don't realise that you might be someone who you learn from, you like hanging out with people, every person you meet teaches you something. Absolutely. But you've got to be in the right state to receive that. Yeah. You know? And that, that to me is the, is the journey. Yeah. If I'm in a loving state and I'm not, I'm not you know, dedicated to be with mates, to being able to work my way to chat with that one girl mm-hmm. who's I've got eyes for, you know. Destination and I'm a, focused. I, I, huh? Destination focused. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm available to, to, to all, then I actually get to practice being the loving state, the solid, uh, authentic loving state that already exists within me. And here's the interesting thing is, then... Um, 
you don't present present yourself as a as a threat. No. You don't present yourself and give the young lady a, a red flag opportunity to say, oh my God, I'm not so sure. You know, what's his intention? Uh, all that type of stuff. You know. The friendship bit is fascinating. Geez, I'm learning a lot about that, Chris. Mm. You know, just not not to inflict a will or a want, just being there, connecting and being friends. Here's the yeah. interesting part about it. It actually creates momentum. <laughs> Whereas the pursuit, I think at times, actually creates blockage. Well, I think the thing is, if you have a pursuit, you have an end goal. Yeah. And once you've hit the end goal, it's finished. Mate, that is profound. Yeah. Thank you. But if that you, is profound. But if you're not looking, if you're just there to enjoy yourself, yeah. then you, you're open to the journey. You've got no idea where it's going to go. Yeah. But anything like could that. happen. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Uh, and I think, and I know in looking for the right partner, it took me a long time to find Danny. Yeah. And I knew pretty well straight away that Danny was the right one for me. And if you were to look at a checklist in terms of what she was doing for work, that wouldn't have worked. She was over here from Brazil. She was working as a cleaner. But I knew based on how she showed up as a person, based on just her being a nice person, obviously she's good looking, and that was helped me with the attraction. But I knew pretty well straight away there's just something here where I know that we can almost just like care for each other. Yeah. And I, I know that there is potential in her that she's not developed yet. Yeah. And that's part of the excitement. For you, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. Let me can I ask you a question? Yeah, go All for right. it. So so you, you you sort of like saw that with some immediacy. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether Danny saw that with any I'm immediacy, <coughs> but let me ask you this. If she didn't, yep. did you have to hold back? Did you have to... What did you decide to do um, in terms of making sure that you went on a journey with her rather than um, impose your, your attraction to her too early? Well, Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think partly the benefit that you have when you're single and you're doing fairly well in being single is that... What does that mean? Well, when you well. have options, when you have <laughs> options, once you, once you get to a point where you have options, you don't need anything. You want something, but you don't need anything. So you can come off in a, in a way where they're almost a little bit concerned that they're, you're going to go elsewhere. So it's almost like a shift of power where they kind of go, well, I don't know if he's going to hang around. Mate, you're good looking, mate. I don't think you're that good looking, mate. <laughs> no, but, I, but I, I, don't, I don't really know what it is. But I do think that once, you, once you're in a situation where someone wants to hang around, yeah. they're almost like there's a concern for them that they need to keep you. Yeah, see, I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you. I, get, I understand what you're saying. I, I feel now... To, it's so important that my focus is not on them. My focus is actually on being the most loving man I can be. And and I present that. Yeah. Now I may be aware that I might have an attraction to someone. Mm -hmm. 
but even there, I set myself up. You can set yourself up for a disappointment because in being attracted and then pursued, you 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 know may not be timely. You know? So, my my focus is not taking on that potential pursuit and potential outcome of suffering. My focus is on the joy of just being and loving. And not only to her, but for example, a beer with mates, and I'm gonna say this politely, but there are some people there who do struggle socially. Yeah, of course. And mate, I'm thinking of you know a couple right now. Mm. And I love being available for them, mate. Yeah, it might yeah. only be a couple of minutes each night, to be honest with you, mate. Yeah. Over the two or three hours that we're there. But there's no way in the world I'm not going to say hello and, and, and a good to see you mm. and spend some time with uh, a few of the people uh, who I'm, I'm thinking about. Well, of course, that's my loving yeah. state that I want to be in. But I think yeah. the, the in, in working through the process of sort of almost like teaching people how to become better at turning strangers into friends, I believe that someone wants to, your goal is to help someone have such a great experience that they just want to be able to have that experience again with you. And the best way that you can set yourself up for them to have a great experience, I do it through story. But I'll, I'll, I, my goal in meeting anyone new, and I've got to do this over and over again at Beers With Mates, is it's not my job to impress them with my story. Like that. Love that. It's, it is my job. Love that. It is my job to help them tell a really good story. Yeah. And if they tell a really good story with me, they feel confident. Yeah. And that rubs off on me. Yeah. That they think it's me. Yeah. It's not me. Yeah. It's them. Yeah. It's them feeling good. Yeah. But I'll just set up an environment where my goal is to listen. Yeah. And that's my goal in a podcast as well. Yeah. So yeah, like I think the the real benefit in getting the chance to hang out with people yeah. is that you get to show each other the best of each other. Each, each other. You get to show each other the best of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so, and the great thing about a conversation is it's a give and take. Yeah. One person does it for one person. At some point, it gets turned around on the other. I guess for you, Bernie, like you get to do it as a coaching process. You, yeah, you do that's it all interesting. These. Yeah, that's, a, that's the question that's going in the back of my mind right now because as you, as you connect, how often do you find that you might be on the receiving end of then someone emptying um, and then telling their story but they're, they're also telling you their, forgive me for saying it like this, their baggage, yeah. um, their problems and their issues. And as a coach, I, I, I don't like actually being that the person that actually can generate that because I, I, I know how to ask open questions. I know how to facilitate. And the next thing you know, I've had a two-hour conversation and someone's un unloaded. I'm not quite yeah. sure. Do you think that's healthy? Not healthy is not the right word. Do you think that's a appropriate? I, I, think, I think that they do unload their baggage. Yeah. 
you then have to carry that for them. Yeah. It's not something that I like doing. Yeah. I can do it. Yeah. But I don't. I'll. I've got. I'll, I'll have certain interactions where I know that if I stay open, they'll just keep unloading their baggage yeah. on me, and that's not something that I enjoy. There, there's, there's something else that can happen as someone unloads too. You can actually get a real feel for who they are. Someone unloads can also be giving a, a glimpse of, of who they see themselves becoming yeah. once they handle and manage their baggage. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Very recently I had that experience and uh, uh, that, that young lady certainly made an impact and an impression, a very healthy impression upon me. Um, I heard a story, phenomenal story. We also could see where she was heading. Mm -hmm. And that, that's exciting too. Yeah. And I think the, the interesting thing is, and you'll see people switch in a moment. You'll, you'll see a light bulb go off. Yeah. And if you can be in an environment where you can have someone talking and a light bulb going off in that environment, yeah. everything's going well. Yeah. There's, there's no outcome that's going to happen as a result of that conversation that's not going to go well. Hey, so buddy, I, I didn't realise this podcast is about relationship counselling. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think it's, it's relationship counselling, but everything is relationships. I love that. Friendship love is that. relationships. I love that. I mean, forgive my uh, sporting analogies, dear listeners, but uh, I just love it when uh, you know, Chris Fagan, the coach of the Brisbane Lions, was, was once asked, Chris, your, your young team's done it again. Uh, they've beaten Hawthorne down here at the MCG, which, by the way, we'll do this weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, Chris, you know, what's your secret? How, did you, how do you get this young team up? And he said, well, at the end of the day, he says, I don't know how, but it's all about relationships, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you know, you investigate those you know, those young guys in that particular team. They don't see Chris Fagan as only a coach. Mm -hmm. They see him like a father figure. Mm -hmm. yeah? So um, uh, it's, uh, it's 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 interesting the power of relationships. Speaking of being a father, can we talk a little bit about your upcoming book? Wow. Okay. Jeez. Now that could still be six months away. Okay. okay. No, you don't, and you don't need to talk too much. Yeah. But it's just something exciting in in relation to that being a father. Well, I, I I think the only thing that I can I can say about the book right now is that the process of its story uh, I think is intriguing. Uh, just imagine an 18-year-old boy. He's at a coffee shop waiting for. The arrival of his mother and the occasion is his 18th birthday and when she arrives she has the strangest gift for him and she pulls out an envelope from her bag and she slides it across the table he thinks it's money of course mm -hmm. 18 more money than you, you get when you're 17 um, so he, uh, he excitedly opens it up to find that it's a letter from his father who passed away and let's just say the rest of the book then is nine chapters that cover his lifespan between 18 and 33. Mm -hmm. uh, eight more events in his life 
that are milestone events. They are great uh, learning events. For example, the young man runs the New York Marathon mm -hmm. and he meets Raphael, the Portuguese runner. And uh, at the starting line of the New York Marathon, and uh, Raphael says, um, listening to your conversation, young man, follow me. He says, I can get you home in under three hours. And, uh, and so the young man decides to follow Raphael, but he loses him. And when he does three hours and 16 minutes and finishes up in Grand Central Park, uh, absolutely exhausted, having hit the wall two feet, arrive um, to the vision of his head that is in his hands and he looks up and it's Raphael mm -hmm. and Raphael has a conversation with him that ends in this strange Portuguese runner. How did he get a letter from his father? Mm -hmm. <laughs> now let me just say Chris just to end it you got to go to chapter 9 to discover how did all these people come to have letters from this young man's father? And every one of those letters collectively is the story of a journey of development and involvement for a young man between the age of 18 and 33 to maximize his life and ironically prepare himself beautifully for the game of marriage. And I guess we spoke a little bit earlier about the, the wisdom that you learn along the journey. But if you were to able to cut out a few years to, to save the time of learning, what are some of the key things that you'd be looking to teach a, a young person? If it's not happening now in our schools, and I think it is to some degree, I'm just not quite sure about its quality. People have got to learn that they're separate from thought. Mm. You know, anybody listening to this right now, just, just contemplate how much do your thoughts, your feelings, your mind interrupt your day and also interrupt the, the progressive acceleration of your life. And they interrupt with thoughts of uncertainty, doubt and sometimes fear. And there's a whole life out there that people aren't living because the mind, which is only the accumulation of your past experiences, mm -hmm. what else can it be? Um, the, the memory and the, and the data that you have is only based upon the years that you've been upon the planet. Okay, there might be some evolutionary karma or genetic karma, we understand that, but 90% plus is just based upon your experiences. Mm -hmm. And we listen to it. We're not separate from it. We don't realize that the mind is an organ <laughs> mm -hmm. of, the, of the body. And the way it plays out is to keep us um, playing the game of life. But the game of life that is presented to us is pa society's paradigms of success. And we won't go into that, but that too is an evolutionary journey which we don't have to buy into. Mm -hmm. But we can modify our existence in this life, not to play that game of having to get best results at school so that you can get the best degree at university, which is gonna get you a six-figure job 
and uh, aren't you going to be pleased then when you can build your money empire, find the girl of your dreams or the husband of your dreams um, or the partner of your dreams, um, then buy a million dollar property, be in debt and then three cars, three kids and be absolutely stressed out of your brain by 40. And you know, I, I, I repeated that a hundred times, and I reckon 95 times people said, "Yeah, that's what happens." You know, well, you know, I, I'm just saying if we actually learn at an early age to manage the mind, even purify it so that it doesn't it doesn't drive us down that pathway um, of 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 endless to and froing. Where can I find my next pleasure from? Um, oh, I found it with beer with mates, had a great night. What about tomorrow night? Mm. Um, if we can start to separate ourselves from thoughts and mind, we might just discover that the spirit of the individual is already blessed with joy. Do you We're, think a lot of that really just comes with learning how to be on your own with your own thoughts now i think you've got to work on it yeah i do think you've got to do the work yeah now, the word meditation can represent spooks for people but it's not that at all it's just being able to go through a process which allows you as a person to be separate from your thoughts and create space you say, I think that's what you, you've got a yeah, smile yeah. on your face now. I think that's what you meant by being, being alone. But if you create space away from the mind, then spirit and heart can speak. Mm. Now, they are the authentic version of self, not the illusion of mind. Mm. No, mind creates an identity of self which we buy into and that's who we are on a daily basis. Mm. But who we are on a daily basis is this societal manufactured, programmed and conditioned to think one way about the pathway of life. No? So, so, but when we are heart and spirit, that's not affected by them. And we can become that beautiful spirit love that's already inside of us, mate. We just get interrupted day after day after day by monkey. I wonder if it's the male mind more so than women. I've, I've got no idea. I'm, as you'd like to say, I'm making this up. But um, I wonder if it's the male mind which often leads with logic and can't, and can't make decisions with heart or feeling. And I'm it's a, something that you need to learn. I'm an instinctive person, so my instinct says, I think you're on the money. Mm. You know, women are just, so many women are just great at being loved. It's, it's like their, their, their instinct. It's, it's, it's who they are. It's why they nurture and they, they care. Which, by the way, is also why they've got a role in business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they can be the definitive team builders. Mm -hmm. They can be the connectors, mm -hmm. provided we don't ask them to play the male egotistical creator of empires. Yeah. You know, and I think some of the women think that that's who they've got to be. And by the way, they probably have to be that way to exist yeah. in a male-dominated business world. Mm. However, if the males have any nows, drop your egos and start to let 
that nurturing, caring, loving flavour of femininity, let it flourish. And I just want to say, this does not mean that, that men aren't capable of being that too. Mm. Um, I, know, I know lots of guys who've got great feminine energy. Mm. I'll tell you what, but they can also be the Mufasa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, blessings to those guys who have done the work or, or somehow they were born that way and, um, and, and they can express both their maleness and their emotional intelligence. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Emotional intelligence is something that doesn't get as mentioned as much now, but it was a buzzword about a decade ago. Yeah, yeah you're, you're spot on. But let's just say it, it's just the... Uh, yeah, in, my, in my thought right now, emotional intelligence is space for the heart to speak. Love that. Space for the heart to speak. Heart can't speak if mind is dominating. Yeah. yeah. And the heart will bring and present authenticity. Mm. It'll present realness. And here's another interesting thing. Authenticity is potent, Chris. Yeah. That beautiful book that we were talking about before, The Courage to Be Disliked. Well, the title means, do you have the courage to be so real, so authentic, that guess what? Some people won't be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. But beautifully, if you are that authentic and you actually start to feel that someone is struggling with your presence, you also have the empathy to dilute. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I just know that as a coach now, I'm far more authentic and real than I've ever been before. Mm-hmm. And it penetrates deeper. Well, I also believe when you've gone through those battles of things that didn't go well, you had, to, you had to become stronger. Only if you're still in the business of maximizing your life, otherwise you become a victim uh, to okay. it. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't even see that as, a, as an option. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's because of who you are, because yeah. you're, you're connected. But I know people that have been through um, pain and chaos and events, and guess what? They're the victim. And they're into retribution and they're into revenge. Yeah. yeah. What a sh- I was going to say shit of a way to live. I'm allowed to say that in this podcast, Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a, what a crap way of living. Yeah. Well, I think the, at the end of the day, though, if you, if you lead, if something like that that happens when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, wherever, if that taints the rest of your life, it wasn't just that it was a bad period when you went through it. You've made it wreck the rest of your life. Yeah. Somehow, somehow you need to realise that there's there's more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and learn to let go of it too. You know that that concept that I've bought into. I mean this, and I know a lot of people, are, the psychologists out here, I probably get phone calls from them now, you know, saying, how dare I say it, in a public global forum. Pastors are relevant. Yeah. Courage to be disliked, the two Japanese authors, that's what they speak about. Pastors are relevant. Um, courage to be disliked is about Adlerian psychology, and I think that Adler was working with Freud and, uh, and Jung. I think that's correct. And um, he, he, di- he, he didn't want to agree with 
you know, Freud and Jung, that you had to dig up your past and, and assess it and reevaluate it, you know, etc. He just wanted to say, why can't we just simply give a different meaning to what we've given to past events? Mm-hmm. And let's just say the meaning is, hey, it happened in the past and it's just all part of my journey. Yeah. Nothing more. Yeah. Nothing more. Yeah. Well, you don't bring it then into today. Mm. That means you wake up today with joy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting even just looking at the, the, the goal of therapy versus the goal of coaching. Yeah. Therapy is past, essentially. Coaching is future. Like, it's, it's fairly simple to just yeah. put a line in the sand almost like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, um, something inside me right now says both are, both are connected mm. in some way. Here's another thought for you, Chris. This one works for me. I think the Dalai Lama once said, and I can't quote the book, but, oh, yes, I can, yes, I can. Book of Joy. Oh, oh the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu came together to co, co, not co-write, but uh, co-inspire a book that was written by Douglas Abrams, The Book of Joy. And in that book, the Dalai Lama says, we are all given one of the great gifts which we rarely use. Mm -hmm. And when asked by Desmond Tutu, what is that gift? He said, it's the gift of perspective. Mm -hmm. He said, so often we we live in in an issue. We're going through a lot of pain. Um, right now and we're stuck in it and it's crippling us right now but it's only because we don't separate ourselves from the issue and stand from afar and look upon it in the perspective of time because we would realize that in the perspective of time that current issue is likely to dissolve itself and when you see that it's it's this time will pass and you understand that it will, it starts to dilute. The pain and the chaos can start to just disintegrate a little quicker. Here's my perspective. When I consider that the Earth is 4.54 billion years old, scientists say, and we Homo sapiens have been upon this planet for 250 million years, and I know I've repeated this before in other podcasts, but if the Earth was considered to have been here for just one year, Chris, we've been here for 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. 12 friggin minutes mm-hmm. we want to take ourselves so seriously mm-hmm. in the perspective of time and here's another semi-truth but I reckon three years after I die I'm wondering who's going to remember my name apart mm-hmm. from the children yeah. mate I'm a grain of sand upon the beach yeah. but tell you what I also am mate I'm also the beach mm-hmm. I'm a drop in the ocean I'm only a drop mate mm-hmm. but I'm also the ocean and so, what does that mean? Don't take myself so seriously because I'm a drop in the ocean. Mm-hmm. I'm just a grain of sand upon the beach. Mm-hmm. I'm just a pebble on Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. But equally, what brings great meaning to my life is that I'm connected mm-hmm. with the ocean. Mm-hmm. I'm connected with the beach. I'm connected with the Everest. And I apologize, I shouldn't be saying I'm connected. We all are. I mean, you don't have to be Einstein to work out that with 108 billion people upon the earth, if you go back in lineages, we're all going to come across each other at some stage, Mm. mate. You and I are brothers, mate. Yeah. We're relatives. Yeah. I just don't know when (laughs) we crossed over. (laughs) 
but somewhere we are. So I just look upon you, know, you uh, my neighbours, neighbours beside me. Hi, Deb. Hi, Noel. Mm -hmm. And uh, the son, beautiful Francis, uh, great people that were, were and are in my life, people that I meet with beer with mates. Mm -hmm. you know, we're all connected. Now, if, if people are hearing this and they're somehow feeling like they're not connected, do you, do you have an idea of a few steps to help you better connect? That's a great question. Now, now I've got to go into the, where did, where did I start? I, well, I, I remember, here's a thought. I remember thinking to myself, as I'm trying to recover from the pain and the chaos of the broken marriage, mm -hmm. I thought to myself, where do I start this, this, this living of life and maximizing life again? And I had in the back of my mind, oh, I heard of this thing called meditation. I actually believe it works, but I don't know how it works. Mm -hmm. So I thought, what will I do? Well, throw yourself into it. So I didn't know that the 10-day Vipassana retreat was something really, really serious. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, when I said to my two kids, Dad's going to do the Vipassana retreat, they laughed at me because there's no way in the world they thought Dad could be silent. Well, I tell you now, the silent for 10 days was not the issue. But the six one-hour meditation periods each day... And the, and, the, and the effort and the strain on the mind according to the processes they were teaching, it was strangling. Mm. Strangling the, the, the hurt and the pain out of me. But at the same time, giving me an opportunity to discover the beauty of emptiness. Mm. The incredible peace and calm that comes with it. Not until recently, I had to ask myself, but where is love in that emptiness? Buddhism would say, don't be attached to anything, including love. And then I started this podcast. Mm. And that buddy Chad Foreman, episode 33 or 34 of A Journey with Bernie, the guy who became a Buddhist monk, said something that was just a beautiful breakthrough phrase. Mm -hmm. A phrase of four or five words that can shift a life. And he says, love is the fragrance of emptiness. Hmm. Become empty and you will smell it over. Went, mate, that's how I went. I went, yeah. wow. Hey, but the answer to your question, what I hope people are hearing is follow your instinct if your instinct says, like it said to me, well, meditation. Mm -hmm. um, instinct said, go to nature. Mm -hmm. Ramp up Nepal. Mm -hmm. um, spend more time in the Himalayas. But, mate, I've got Bhutan in the back of my mind. I've got two global treks a year um, in, in, for the next 12 years of my life that's, that's calling me. Mm -hmm. um, end of this year I'm gonna you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be driven by the money issue either now easier said than done when you got a bit mm -hmm. I get that right yeah. but I'm not gonna count all the dollars to say will it last yeah guess yeah. what Langtang and the, the, the Masalu trek of Nepal are calling me for November December I'm going yeah I'm going 
you know and if in the meantime I can find her who wants to come with me and she fits you know, the, when I say the word fit I mean meets the the, the Bernie the Bernie feeling mm-hmm. of what it's meant to be like yep. then then mate that's that's super yep. but it ain't essential you know what uh, I love that it's a feeling it's not a checklist no it's mate it's, no no the, there is a checklist yeah but the checklist adds up to the feeling yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you, know, you would know when you feel it absolutely yeah. absolutely absolutely it's why you know I, I, I keep on meeting and and have some great starts but at the end of the day I'm not going to compromise not for the second and last great chapter of life yeah because this time I can actually enter into it this time with knowledge this time with awareness this time with experience and marriage or partnership to me will be two people who look at each other and say let's take each other to another level mm-hmm. let's take each other to a level that you alone cannot reach mm-hmm. and I say to her that you alone cannot reach and let's through love and connection go to that higher place mm. what does that mean hard to describe but I know it exists mm. to me it's a higher plane of being love as a human being would it be fair to say that for those people that may not be lucky enough to be a partner yeah. as a coachee they might get a benefit of that as well yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to monetize my podcast. Yeah. That's not the purpose of my podcast. I'm learning too much. I'm going to be doing it for ages. For fun. Just for fun. Because I just learned so much from it. Yeah. But at some stage, the effort and the energy of it, it would be nice, particularly if my, in my elder years, it could provide um, another global trek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because so part of that might be, for example, a membership, and the whole idea of the of the membership is that all of these learnings that we're spontaneously sharing between each other now, Chris, can actually become part of one on one individual coaching. Mm. But I want to do that not because it gives a monetary return. I want to do that because that's an extension of who I am. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm meant to be that person. Yeah. You know, um, when I was born, someone somewhere said, you're a teacher. Yeah. And that, you know, and, and when I say I'm a teacher, the process of the way that I teach is my gift. Mm-hmm. The content has evolved over time. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started in the coaching room, I had no right to teach the content. Mm-hmm. But someone said I had a good mouth and um, I could you know, speak on a platform. So how about you, you speak um, how to pick up your phone and sell? Mm-hmm. Well, it lasted three months because yep. I had no feeling for it. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize as a young pup that you actually had that feeling for the content. I just yep. enjoyed being the central character on the, uh, the Brisbane Park stage and people paying $95 a head to hear me speak about how to pick up your phone and sell. Mm-hmm. But now... Not, not the content has got to be an extension of me. The journey that I offer people has got to be an extension of me. And the process, of course, is an extension of me. It's an, 
I, I, I say this hopefully without ego, but some people have watched me doing my work recently and say, no one can replicate what you do. Mm. Well, they can actually play a game that I do, but they can't present it like I do. Mm. Because it's now me. Yeah. And I, I wonder, I wonder just how much power you bring now as a result of having gone through everything that you've been through. Oh, mate, yeah. I've never been a better coach than I am. Yeah. Um, I've never been a better person than I am now. Yeah. And that brings a smile on my face because there would be some people listening to this who question it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's fine. Well, better, fine. better for you, not necessarily better for them. Well, well, they don't understand everything, you know. And the one thing I've learned is that everything is an interpretation. Mm. You know, everyone's... We're, we're all a victim to our past experiences um, moulding us and conditioning us and programming us to see the world that we see today. But every one of those past experiences, you and I could have the same past experience, but you could interpret it differently than what I do. Yeah. Which one's the truth, Chris? Yeah. And then the, the benefit that we have is that you can go back and reinterpret it as well yeah absolutely absolutely or just leave it in the past yeah and say as a result of my journey so far the best I can do is to say love is all there is the rest is window dressing but the rest whatever I do can I bring love into it mm. like when I meet the young lady or the young man who's making me a cup of coffee can I not do that with a smile mm. and comment on on, uh, on uh, the coffee industry? You mm. know? Comment on what they're wearing. Uh, comment on, geez, you got a beautiful smile. Where did that come from this morning? Mm. You know, and half it now is just impromptu and spontaneity. Yeah. But I get amazed how many times it connects. Mm. I do. Mm. I do get amazed. Occasionally. Occasionally I uh, yeah. <laughs> um, said something that they just weren't ready to receive, but that also is a lesson in empathy. But I think even even we're lucky in Brisbane to have some amazing baristas. And I don't really like, I, I can drink my coffee in a takeaway cup, but I like when I can to sit down and drink my coffee in a, in a mug. And part of that experience is because the barista will do such a good job of making that flat white yeah. look amazing. Yeah. And it'll probably have a heart on it or some, or some yeah. sort of design. And so really the all that I can ever do is just compliment the barista at that point yeah. that they've done a great job yeah. on making my coffee experience yeah. amazing. But you're aware of that. You're aware of the opportunity to give that praise. Yeah. Which we, we just need to stop for a moment and say they get great value out of it. Yeah. But what value do you get out of well, it? Well, that's the thing. I, I get a benefit from seeing them happy. See, I, I, I get the smile. What's the benefit to you? I, I get feel good because I made someone feel good. So why not do it 100 times a Absolutely. day? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's love, mate. I that's know. living love. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and and that, that's a beautiful little metaphor that you just gave there because those opportunities to pat someone on the back to see the good in them and speak the good they're around every every two or three minutes mate. they're just around us mm. left right and center open up our eyes see the good speak the good and if you do 
just remember, they're not the only benefactor. You are too. Because it brings happiness to your life. Well, Bernie, I don't think it's going to get better from here. <laughs> it might. <laughs> We've already recorded plenty and it's been great. So I'm going to wrap it there. Before well, we've we... been going an hour and seven, mate. Perfect. Well, that's about the right time for me. Um, but, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's always great to get a chance to see you at Beers with Mates, to listen to your podcast, to have been a guest on your podcast. Um, thank you for the opportunity to come and speak to us here. And, uh, look, if anyone wants to reach out to you and, and learn more about what you do, how do they do that? Well, they can contact me on 0412-982-444. Maybe someone out there heard this business about going to Nepal. And they'd say, geez, that might be an interesting experience to go away with Bernie and his group uh, to the Himalayas. Well, that's that number. Can I repeat it again? Of course. 0412 982-444. Now, the Journey with Bernie podcast, you're, you're fully aware of it, like, like yourself and Ando and Co. And oh, you've got two names for your podcast. Yeah, there was three names. Yeah, there's been three <laughs> names, but got, it's only one now. I've got to learn how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've got Beer with Mates. Yep. Yeah. So like your, your podcast uh, on Spotify and Apple and Amazon. Um, and maybe the only other contact is if someone wants to write an email, Bernie, B-E-R-N-I-E, dot Kelly, at outlook.com. Hey, cheers, Chris. It, great that we could reverse the, uh, uh, reverse the, the jobs. Um, and thank you ever so much for the opportunity to be your guest. Cheers, Bernie. Appreciate it. Take care, pal. <laughs>